Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Once again, happy Easter. It's our joy to have you come and be with us this morning. Um, you know, the message of Easter is actually incredibly simple. Jesus Christ, literally, truly, historically, rose from the dead. And with that came the promise offered to everyone that we can have everlasting eternal life too. Now, why is this important? It almost seems silly to ask the question. It seems so intuitive why this is important. But I, I, I want to I want to ask the obvious question. Why is this important? Well, as our first reading expressed, we all die. And there's a reality which we hate in our world, in our culture especially, that that's a fact. That we will die and therefore we are afraid of death. And so this morning, I want to offer three reasons why we fear it, but also, more importantly, how Christ's resurrection calms each one of these fears. So the first one, the first fear is that death will rob us of the ones we love. Every year, more and more people that you love that I love, that were here last year at, on this day, aren't here today. And as our first reading told us, we come out like a flower and wither. Now, so many poets and theologians have tried to capture this, but I think that one of the best uh, uh, poet theologians who have captured this is none other than Chris Stapleton. <laughs> he captures this Perfectly, After one of his best friends died of pancreatic cancer at, at a 38, he sung this song. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Okay, <laughs> just as a sidebar, um, if this is your first time here, you're experiencing our amazing music with Shane and Warren and Dean Black, who we, who, who we love. The reason why that's the case is when we first started this church, we were meeting in a living room, and I knew that they were on the radar screen. I really wanted to hire them, but we didn't have the money and so I led worship and played the guitar and sung. We raised the money like a week and a half. It was, it, was, it was good. But don't worry, I won't sing it. But if you haven't heard Chris Stapleton's song, Broken Halos, I encourage you to, where he writes this. See my share of broken halos, folded wings that used to fly. They've all gone wherever they go. Broken halos that used to shine. I really want to sing Angels come down from the heavens just to help us on our way. Come to teach us. Then they leave us and they find some other soul to save. Now, while I can tweak his theology just a, a little bit, I think he captures the human heart, doesn't he? Why we fear death. We are blessed with these amazing people in our lives. They make us laugh. They cheer us when we're sad. They love us while we're at our worst. And one day, either slowly or suddenly, death rips them from us. Bishop J.C. Ryle, over 150 years ago, wrote this. He said, few are the men and women past 30 who could not number a long list of names, deeply cut forever in their hearts. But names of beloved ones now dead and gone, 
Where are our fathers and mothers? Where are our ministers and teachers? Where are our brothers and sisters? Where are our husbands and wives? Where are our neighbors and our friends? We all know that fear, don't we? So how does the resurrection calm it? Well, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and in rising from the dead, he opened the door for all people. All people are offered can have the same soul and body that will never die. And we can be with those who have died in the Lord. And as promised in our readings, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Ryle again says, but blessed be God, this death shall not always be so. The hour comes and shall soon be here when the words goodbye and farewell shall be words that are laid aside and buried forevermore. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more poverty, no more money, no more need of fear for families, no more sickness, no more pain, no more old age, no more death. Do you fear death because it robs you of the people you love? I do. If that's you, if you're like me, then hear the good news. On the cross and on Easter morning, Christ has defeated death. These aren't metaphors. These aren't symbols for new life. These are real things. And the scriptures that we heard today show us that they really happened. Those observing it were as shocked as we are. If I had time, I'd go into a very long description of why we can believe that the resurrection actually happened. Come back. That'll be your teaser. I'll give that to you later. <laughs> but the result is that there is a gathering which Christ offers to all people from which we will say hello and never say goodbye. That's how the resurrection Calms our first fear. But that's not our only fear. We have a second fear. We have many fears, but, but I think the second one that all of us feel is this. When I die, will I be condemned? Will I be condemned for my sins? See, one of the privileges that I have wearing this collar, besides it's just incredibly fashionable, um, but, but one of the privileges that I have is I have the honor, I have the privilege of being um, in moments in people's lives where their mortality becomes very, very real to them. An illness is diagnosed, there's an accident, or, or there is some kind of injury, or I'm literally at their bedside while they are dying. And almost always, whether they're a Christian, a churchgoer, whatever or not, it doesn't matter. The same fear leaks out. When I die, will God look at the record of my life and condemn me? It has different forms. Have I done enough to impress God? Have I done enough to make myself worthy of being on this planet, of using the gift of life that he's given me? Have I done enough to compensate or overcome or pay off all the evil I've done to kind of weigh it out. 
And so I share with them the best thing ever proclaimed in the universe. You, like me, haven't done any of that. We have not been good enough. We have squandered the gift of our lives. We have not done nearly as much good to compensate for the evil and pain that we've caused in this world and to our Father and to our Heavenly Father. But that's not the end of the story. Because on the cross, Jesus Christ, who was fully man, felt pain, felt sorrow, as real and as honest as we do, but also fully God at the same time. I understand it. He came and he voluntarily bore the condemnation, bore the judgment of God for you and me. And for us to not be condemned by the Father when we take our first breath in heaven and condemned by his son, all we have to do is trust in that promise. And then I promise there will be no condemnation for you. Now, as uh, Samuel Johnson said in 1777, death is a wonderful way of concentrating the mind, right? So while when death was more abstract, people might accept that, but no, baby, it's right there on them. And so they ask a follow-up question, and it's a great one. Okay, but how do I know? How do I know that Jesus' death was enough to cover even my sins? And the great answer that we celebrate on Easter is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Because death is a curse that was placed upon us from the time of mankind's sin, mankind's rebellion against God. And that curse will plague us and will only be removed when a human being lives a sinless life. And then after that, the curse is taken away and everlasting life is poured out and offered to all people. So, when our Savior Jesus Christ, with his human will, sinless, yes, but still human, when he lived the perfect life that we could not live, died on the cross, and we waited. And then, on Easter morning, when he rose from the dead. This was proof that the curse has been taken away. The sin that stayed all mankind has been removed forever. To sort of use a Dorchester County parlance that that check didn't seem like it would cash, it cashed. <laughs> now we've heard it a million times that Christ died for our sins. But if we're honest, isn't there still a lingering doubt? Not that Christ died or not that he died to, to cover sins, but was it really big enough to cover all my sins? How do I know? Well, Easter morning proves that the wrath, that, that God's wrath for our sins was truly satisfied when Christ died on the cross and now there's no more wrath for us. Praise God. But if you're smart, and you are, and if you're thinking, because you are, that leads you to a third fear. Will I trust? Will I have enough faith? Will I be a believer? Well, praise God for the story of Thomas, the namesake of our church. 
You see, Thomas is not really a doubter. That's giving him too much credit. He's just a flat-out disbeliever. I'm not going to believe unless I see, unless I touch. You see, prior to this incident that we have in our last scripture reading where Christ sees, uh, where, where Thomas sees Christ face to, to face, Thomas had seen Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, perform many miracles for the past three years. Thomas had heard Jesus tell them many times that he would raise from the dead. In three days, I will come back. But when he was told by his disciples that Christ did come back, Thomas didn't believe him. These were the men that he trusted the most. He'd spent three years of his life intimately connected with them, but he did not believe it. He refused to believe it. Why? Because he does what we all do. We trust in our own understanding. We think that our reason and, and that rationality leads us to every single possible truth. He trusted in his own understanding of how the world works. And you know what? People just don't raise from the dead. In other words, Thomas, like me, was a sinner. But how does Jesus respond? Does he condemn Thomas? Does he shut him out? Does he throw him out? Does he say, I told you enough already. It's up to you. Figure it out. No. In great love. Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, the creator and sustainer of everything, comes to the disbeliever and lovingly seeks to persuade him. Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. It wasn't the morally good person that Jesus Christ gave the gift of his appearance to. It was to the sinner. And Jesus Christ, out of great love, came down to his level. And instead of dismissing or rebuking him for his disbelief, gently shows him the truth. Many of you know who Dr. Francis Collins is, but for those of us who don't, Dr. Francis Collins um, led the Human Genome Project, which uh, mapped out human DNA, and now he's the uh, director of the National Institutes of uh, Health. And as a doctor, as while well, he's getting his PhD and his MD, he was not a believer. God, and certainly the, the resurrection, did not fit into his understanding of how the world works. That was until he was confronted by the faith of one of his terminal patients, an elderly woman. Watch out for elderly women. <laughs> they will rock your world every time with their faith. Though he had lived a life at best ignoring and at worst mocking God, through this woman, she shared her love of Christ and asked him, well, what do you believe? And this began a journey for him, which the Lord welcomed him on, of questioning and learning, not of throwing reason away, but of actually more deeply engaging reason. Uh, Dr. Collins said that he questioned his own understanding of, of a reality, which ended up in faith. Jesus essentially said, come, Francis Collins, look at my hands, touch the wounds, Come and see for yourself. 
And you see, friends, the good news of Easter is that what's true for Thomas and for Francis Collins is true for you. Eternal life is a gift God wants to give you. It's not a reward for good behavior, for no behavior is ever good enough. And all that's asked of us is that we simply trust even with the mustard seed of faith in this promise that you are forgiven solely by the life and death of Jesus Christ. Moreover, he invites you to question and debate with the Bible, with him, so that your faith is your own. You've taken it deep into your own bones. As I said, that's why we've named this church after Thomas. We don't believe God coerces faith through fear or threat, but brings us to him by loving, persistent persuasion. So today we invite you to join us on that journey if you do not know Jesus Christ. So, I end with this. We fear death because it robs us of our loved ones. It forces us to face the reality of God's judgment. And it challenges us with our doubts. But, all of those fears on Easter Day, they meet their end in the risen Christ. And all that's needed to take hold of the peace that, that the resurrected Christ has to offer us is simple trust in Him. And this is good news for us sinners indeed.